Hello, my name is Gunnar Detheridge, and this is my podcast called What's Your Medium? This podcast is devoted to getting to know the artists, the makers, movers, and the shakers that are making big things happen in our creative world. Somewhere during the middle of the pandemic, I realized that what I was missing the most were those interactions with other artisans. And on this podcast, we will explore the points of view and the ins and outs of my guests and get to the root of what makes them so inspired to create. So join me each week as we ask my guests, what's your medium? everybody and welcome back to the podcast. We are here for another week of good vibes and good conversation. This week has been a really fun week for me. I feel like I've gotten a lot done. I feel like this week was a good week for me because the holidays are kicking up. I really got to like flex those creative muscles and I made some cool dresses made out of unconventional fabrics, but randomly the dress was like one of my favorite things I've ever made. It was all based on the black swan fantasy and I did Princess Odette. I think this week I'm going to focus on doing some more of those. I'd love to do the black swan version, but I will have to find the right fabrics to do so. This week in the news, the pandemic is only heating up, which I find to be super distressing, if I'm honest. Living in Los Angeles, I feel very aware of my surroundings. There are a lot of people here. I feel like we need to take more precaution. I definitely wear a mask every single place I go. I take so much precaution. But we are about to start seeing some really crazy numbers, and I find that so disheartening and so nerve-wracking. It's so hard to stay focused on like living a normal life when there's this like massive roadblock honestly out there that's for us to try to navigate and the best thing we can do is be as respectful to everyone else and keep our distance it's not fun obviously nobody wants to wear a mask nobody wants to not see their loved ones I guess some people might but I don't I want to see people but I need to be safe about it because honestly my anxiety gets so high I convince myself every week I'm sick and I'm never sick because I take the precautions I get tested every week But my anxiety is so high about getting sick that I don't want to be. So I just find it really important to make sure that we are taking care of those people that we love the most by being respectful and keeping some distance. If you're going to see somebody, you must see them. Wear a mask and hang out outside. Come on. You at least get to hang out with them. It's a little bonding moment, right? You'll be able to look back on it in a couple years and laugh about it. I do want to get to some listener questions. And you can email your questions in at whatsyourmedium at gmail.com. I will respond, I promise. And I will also read your questions on the podcast if it's something super exciting. This week, I decided to take a poll on my Instagram, and I'm going to read my favorite questions because I feel like the best way to connect to people is by asking the people. Brooke Myers, 05, asked me, what is it like being so many people's inspiration, and do you sometimes take them for granted? I am very aware that a lot of people see my content, and I am very aware that I am a role model to a lot of people, and I take that very seriously. I am very cautious of what I post on the internet, the language I use, how I respond to people. I try to build people up as much as possible. I think positivity is everything in this world, and there's not enough of it. So I like to try to be a beacon of light. And honestly, it doesn't come natural to me. I am somebody that can be very aggressively catty if I want to, and I hate that about myself, but it's something that I have acknowledged and that I'm constantly working on. So my life's work now is to create incredible things to make people feel good about themselves and to inspire people to be better because I think that's what the world needs and like I said it's not something that comes natural to me but 
it is something that I'm working really hard on because I think that's what I would like to see more of in the world. And sometimes I think the change that you want to see needs to start with yourself. Which sounds like a therapist talking, but if I'm honest, it's true. So that's kind of how I, I look at being a role model for people is that it's an important job. I don't take it lightly and I try not to take it for granted. My next question is from the Spirited Sage on Instagram, and they ask, what are the three most important lessons that you've learned this year? And when I tell you this year has been a growing year, I'm sure I don't need to explain it because we have all been there and it has been a growing year. I have learned this year that I need to ask for help because I can't do everything. This year, my life has exploded in the best of ways, and I now have this little empire that I'm trying to grow, like a small ember in a fire, and I can't do everything on my own. And I have always tried to be that person that can just do it all because I know how I want it done, and I want to get it done a certain way, and it just isn't practical. So this year, I have learned that it's important for me to ask for help because there's nothing wrong with wanting other people's help, and I think the best Best projects that have ever happened have happened with teams. So help is a great thing. The next thing that I have learned is that we are not robots. We are not machines. We are not put on this planet solely to work. You need to have the time where you are thriving and living and enjoying life. And obviously that's hard to do right now because we are a little confined because of the pandemic. But take the time to take a walk. Exercise. Take care of yourself. You are a human being and you deserve to nurture yourself as well. And that is a big lesson that I have had to accept and learn this year. It's not all about the quarantine weight that we obviously all put on, but it's important to acknowledge that you need to take the time to take care of your vessel if it's going to last. And the third thing that I think I've learned is that it's important to believe in yourself and to be afraid and to be excited at the same time. Sometimes the most growth happens from fear. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. You know, I never really expected my life to take the turn that it did, you know, before quarantine, I was working, doing music videos, working constantly. I hadn't sewn in two years and suddenly the world stopped and here I was and, and I needed, I needed to feel like I had purpose again. And that's truly what I got from this pandemic as I felt purpose again. I felt alive and excited and I felt like for the first time in a long time seen for my abilities because I'd worked hard for them. The skill sets that you see on my TikTok and on my Instagram are things that I spent years learning to do and teaching myself to do. And it's because I couldn't afford a college and I couldn't afford school and I didn't want to burden my family trying to pay for something. And I somehow managed to emerge from that with this skill set. So I've learned that I want to share that with the world because I want to teach people and I want people to also feel the same way that I felt It's been gratifying and it's been humbling and I'm grateful nonetheless. Before I hop into the conversation, I did want to let you guys know that I am currently producing my online masterclass style class for you. It will be geared towards beginners and I'm going to be launching in January. If you would like to be on the pre-mail list for that, just to let you know when it's available, there is a link in my bio on both my Instagram and my TikTok, and they both guide you straight to the place where you can insert your email, and I promise you I will not be spamming you. This is just to let you know when the classes are live. This week on the podcast, I am interviewing somebody that is very exciting. Her name is Sarah Campbell. Her design label is Intrigue Designs, and she is a floral installation artist. You might be familiar with her work from The Big Flower Fight on Netflix, and if you're not familiar with her work, you should definitely check it out. 
this girl is on fire. Her work is incredible. The way that she works with a team and is able to delegate and have really solid, professional, positive conversations is really amazing. Her work involves texture, it involves color, it involves pricing, it involves working with people, it involves educating. It's all the things that I like to focus on myself. And I think that she is such a fun interview because she's an educator and she knows how to to speak and she's excited and she's full of life and I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. Sarah Campbell is an absolute legend with a wealth of knowledge to share and this conversation is absolutely going to deliver for you. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with the incredibly creative Sarah Campbell of Intrigue Designs. Thank you so much for joining me today. I was first introduced to you by watching your journey on Netflix's The Big Flower Fights, where you created whimsical and massive, carefully curated floral installations in a matter of hours. And I was just curious what that experience was like. Oh my gosh, it was the most fun. I think I, well, I've had lots of fun in my life, but it was so much fun. It was stressful as anything because you're on time limits and restrictions and working with materials that you've never seen in your life. But it was incredible. Like, I don't think I have a better word to describe it other than incredible. Did you feel the pressure of being on TV on top of the pressure of creating there in that environment? Absolutely not. So I design in public all the time. So I'm a wedding designer, which means I'm designing ballrooms and I'm designing ceremonies and churches and stages while people are around and watching. So it felt normal to be in a setting where I was being watched constantly. Uh, That didn't shake me at all. I guess I was so used to creating such a small space that when I was on Project Runway, the pressure of having a camera like five inches from my face was terrifying for me. Yeah, I forgot about the cameras probably in like the first day was was different and interesting oh no first day I forgot about the cameras on day one in fact it was a first episode it had to be like within a few hours of the design uh that the cameras totally caught me and they included it in the show where my wonderful friend another competitor Hank he like falls over backwards his kilt goes up exposing his undergarments <laughs> and I like I the cameras were right there on my face I turned bright red total shock like had no like even thought about the cameras I was so excited to see this show come out because I think it's been a long time coming to have an exciting floral show on air and my biggest question coming from a little bit of the background that I do I've done a lot of music videos and usually they they pin the florals and the fabrics on me because they're the things I like but I've learned a lot about just florals in general. And when they reveal to you guys the the surplus of florals available to you, that's a pretty massive array. But is that nearly as large of an array of florals that you're used to working with? Oh, it was incredible. So I I focus on a lot of large-scale designs. So I particularly have been around flowers like that pretty consistently. But the nice part was I didn't have to calculate any prices or <laughs> or think about, oh, if I use this much here, I'm not going to have enough for the bridal bouquet. I just got to design with reckless abandon. And that was so exciting. Florals are very expensive. And I think that that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand is when you're running a business in that side of it or you have a budget, it goes very quickly. Oh, my gosh. It goes so quickly. 
And in order to stay profitable as a business, so in my business, I recipe everything and I organize everything to make sure it's calculated in my software, make sure I only use a certain amount of product between a certain square footage. And that was not happening there. So yeah, it was, it was really a cool experience. Yeah, I was watching it the whole time. I was like, this budget was huge. I mean, even the setting that you guys were in, the dome, I mean, it oh. everything was carefully thought out. And I really appreciated the just the general direction of the entire show. Well, I love to hear you say that. You know, to be there, I, you, you don't know when you're walking into one of these shows, you have no idea what to expect. I'd never done outside of like a an entertaining segment on NBC or ABC or whatnot. I'd never been in a television setting like this. And it was more beautiful and larger than I ever could have imagined. It's interesting because cameras don't always capture just how grand that can feel too. Not at all. I want to talk for a minute about the dress that you guys designed. Because I have to tell you, as much as I did reality TV and have separated myself from it, I cannot help but get really attached to things while I'm watching them. And I was (laughs) devastated when you didn't win that challenge. Oh, You see, that's because, Gunner, you think I didn't win that challenge. (laughs) I won that challenge. You did. I just didn't get a fancy ribbon, but I won that challenge. It just was so amazing. That from start to beginning, it was also, it looked like it could have been a real garment. And from somebody that works in garments, I was like, this is so thought out. I can't believe you just said that my dress... (laughs) Looks like it should be a real garment. Do you know that is the most incredible ultimate compliment? Because I am the, I'm a massive fan of your work, obsessed with your, your gowns and your dresses and your design style. I'm like hyperventilating right now. I think what's interesting about the way that you work. And I, like I said, I've been kind of obsessing over what you're doing on social media, but you have such a beautiful way of working with color. And I think that you use color and, and texture as two separate mediums and somehow you create these soft flowing. I mean, it's just, it's really beautiful. And if anybody that's listening has not seen it, I'm obviously going to have photos of your work (laughs) in the promo, but like it is just take the, take a ride down Sarah's social media because wow. You know, that dress, I I actually have this dream. Maybe you can help make this dream happen too. I I have this. this dream of doing a whole floral runway show where that kind of mix of fashion and fresh flowers goes together. And I don't know where to do it or when to do it or how to do it, but I keep seeing this in my head, these big, gorgeous models just dress head to toe toe in these floral gowns. I'm obsessed with this idea. I've always always love the idea of marrying fashion and flowers together. I think it was maybe seeing, I mean, I grew up watching Project Runway as a kid. So when season two came out, the unconventional challenge where they had to use flowers, it just, it's always stuck with me as this thing where I was like, this makes so much sense to me. And it kind of sparked that imagination. So I think that that's kind of where my love for florals and appreciation for the work that goes into it came. Maybe that's where my love for bread came from too. (laughs) Maybe. So you're from, you live in Massachusetts, correct? No, actually I live in Maryland. Maryland. Originally, I'm originally from Massachusetts. So you must've got that somewhere. Um, I did. I was reading up on you. (laughs) (laughs) So you're, you're living in Maryland and you operate a full fledged business there. You do webinars as well, as well, where you teach florists how, how to operate like you successfully. Yes. What is the floral industry like where you are at? 
Oh, we're actually, I'm very lucky to be in this part of the country. So um, Maryland, you know, we're right outside of Washington, D.C. And we have a really a large pool of clients that love to entertain. You know, my my design area, what I consider my local market is everywhere from New York City all the way down to like Richmond, Virginia. And this gives us some great cities. So we've got Philadelphia in there. You've got uh, Wilmington in there. You've got, oh, New Jersey. Oh, in New Jersey, they party like nobody else. And the celebrations and the parties and the weddings in this area, there is that the little bit of I wouldn't call it competition because I don't feel like each event is competing with the other, but each client, each family doesn't want to throw the same party that they've been to before. So that means we get to be really creative. And I don't know if that happens in all the other parts of the country, but I know in this area, we've got a really creative audience. That's exciting because then that means that they're also pushing you to, to come up and be innovative and to find new ways to invent yourself and your process. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But then they still want to look like my work. So I have to kind of, and I'm sure you run this fine line too, where, you know, people want you to go outside the box, but they don't want you to go so far outside the box that it looks like somebody else did it. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. And now let's take a quick break. This is your daily reminder to take a deep breath in, inhale all the good and exhale all of the bad. Drink a large glass of water, maybe take a moment to set your intentions for the day. And now let's get back to my conversation with Sarah Campbell of Intrigue Designs. You did an installation recently, and I've messaged you about it, I think, twice at this point. But you did this beautiful (laughs) purple and fuchsia cascade down onto this golden mustard couch. And I just, I just couldn't get over it. It was really, really beautiful. So was this for a, a client or was this for a specific shoot? So this is actually really fun. Uh, for the better part of 2020, I have been taking all of these years of experience and putting them into a really robust floral installation masterclass. And this is something I've been touring the country for the past three years now, teaching wedding-focused floral workshops and classes. And this year with 2020, our installation workshops got canceled. We were selling out We've sold out in, I think, five or six cities, actually six cities, we've sold out all across the country teaching these these large-scale floral installation workshops. So given I had all these cancellations in 2020, I decided I might as well take this time to make something virtual and bring all this information together. So uh, that was part of the recording for uh, one of the segments of our floral installation masterclass, which means everyone's going to be able to learn exactly how that was done. I like florals on a small scale and music videos. They like to come with big ideas and we like throw them together in like a little of no time, but none of us are classically trained. So knowing that you're offering a class like this makes me excited because I would love to take it. I think later in my life when, when I'm ready to like retire from fashion, I would love to have just a little, little floral business on the side of an ocean town somewhere. Just, just to kind of relax and make weird things. And I would love to take your masterclass to help me get to that point. Oh, it's so much fun. I, you know, when I started doing flowers, I really thought I was going to be doing just bouquets and centerpieces. And then when I first got my hands on large scale design and I'm like, wow, this bouquet is pretty 
but look at that entire wall growing full of flowers. Like my whole life was changed. I then only wanted to do big flowers, which is a whole nother beast and a whole nother animal. And it really was more relaxing to just do bouquets and centerpieces. If you guys don't understand, this is, I'm looking right now at a photo and this is at least a 20 foot wall and probably close to 20 foot wide. It's a very huge installation. And with that comes planning and you probably have to have more than a ladder, maybe a a small little crane of some sort (laughs) to get to these things sometimes. And I can't imagine you probably have a team that you're also trying to manage. You're balancing a lot of things. That's part of being a business owner, but this specifically seems hard because you're working with artists. Yeah, it definitely, it is hard. Um, Artists, we're all creative. We all want to add our own spin. Uh, I try to give the designers that work with me as much free range, provided at the end of the day, it still looks like an intrigue design, of course. Now, I want to talk about that image you're looking at, because um, in this particular image, that was the, the end product is what I wanted to see. And often when I travel, this happens when I'm doing weddings. So I travel all over the country for weddings. Um, and often the first time I experience the venue is, you know, days before the wedding. Uh, and for this workshop, we filmed it down New Orleans and I didn't actually see the venue. I saw pictures of the venue, but I didn't see the venue until the day before we filmed. And I walk in and the ceilings that I thought were so tall were about 12 feet. And it was a 12 foot ceiling is, is, is lovely in a home, but to do a large scale piece, it would just look so small and and it wouldn't work. So what you're seeing there is a ceiling installation attached to a wall installation to give the illusion of 20 foot ceiling. Okay. So my mind is a little blown right now. (laughs) This, you have done this so well because this looks, I, you would never know that from looking at this. Thank you. That was, that was my, my point. So I, I, you're the first person I've actually talked to about this design. This was fairly recent. So it's really nice to, to hear that what I tried to do actually worked. <laughs> it's such an illusion. Like I said earlier, you're very thoughtful with your color placement, which I think is also what makes this image look so large, is that you've really placed the color in specific ways to make your eyes focus where you want them to go. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super blown away. And I also, when I see an installation like this, I always think about the foundation that goes into it. And with that, I have learned recently just from working in music videos and using so many flowers for some jobs, how the floral industry can create so much waste. And I'm wondering Mm -hmm. how, how you feel about that. And if you, I'm sure you have what steps you've taken to kind of battle that and move forward with that. So the floral industry... I guess in theory, it does create waste because you do, you know, you use the flowers, you enjoy the flowers, you experience them, and then they are gone. But although it is gone to me, it was never wasted. Like it had its moment. It, it had its like shining leading lady moment, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Now there are some flowers that can be repurposed and recycled. Unfortunately, uh, when I work with painted items, which you saw in that design, once they are painted and they're color enhanced, they cannot be, um, they cannot be, they can't go back into the earth. They have to go to the dump, which definitely does hurt my heart. But I also appreciate, I appreciate the flower itself. I appreciate the visual impact and the joy that it brings. And because I do, I wear a little bit of guilt on the waste that comes from this, even though I don't see it as waste, I do have some guilt on it. And to make up for that, like I am so 
focus when it is my home life or going grocery shopping. You are not going to see me with a plastic bag. It's mm-hmm. very, very rare that I am not going to have my recycled bags, my reusable bags, even my shampoo and my soap. I'm trying to buy local. So to outweigh what I do in my work life, I try to like help that footprint in my personal life, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> do you work with floral foam at all? I do work with foam. I think um, foam is an is a tool. So I don't work exclusively with foam, but I do work it into my designs because, you know, as a as a creator, as an artist, you use the tools that are best for the job. And there are some tools in the floral world that you absolutely need. So when it comes to keeping flowers uh, saturated, giving them the hydration they need for longer extended amounts of time, there is no better tool than floral foam. So I use both foam and I use uh, chicken wire and some of those other elements. Um, Unfortunately, in the research I have been doing, and a lot of people were going from not using foam and using chicken wire instead. So I started to do some research and I'm like, well, the chicken wire is worse than the foam. So, (laughs) Um, but I do use both uh, in, in collaboration together. I've kind of naturally migrated more towards chicken wire as my primary and then using my foam as just inserting. So on that design you you were looking at, the purple design, uh, that one there is done in about 95% chicken wire. And then there are, I believe, I believe I have seven to 10 small individual foam pieces that are strategically placed so that I can pop the fresh flowers in and give them that hydration that they need. Yeah, it's always so, it's such a, a, a finicky art because you're working with something alive. And you, you have to nurture that as well as like kind of make the process happen really fast. And that's why I asked about that. There are parts of my job where I would love to eliminate more waste, but I can't make a $6 dress with fabric that's not made of plastic. Right. So it's, you know, I mean, it's kind of a give and a take. And, and I, like you, I try to counterbalance that in my real life by, you know, using the reusable bags. I'm selling tote bags to kind of promote no grocery bags. And I completely understand that. It is definitely hard. There's there's a number of designers out there that get so angry about about items that are not reusable, and I appreciate them. I respect them with every piece of my heart. But it's it is possible to do no foam and no wire and no substance when you're doing something small. Mm-hmm. When you're doing something that is you know twenty forty feet. And it's going to take hours and days to produce. You just need to have the proper tools. It's kind of like if you're if you're building a house, you need to have the proper foundation or you're not going to be able to complete the job. Totally. This triggered a thought for me. I, I don't know. Have you ever seen the, it's a documentary on Netflix called Dior and I? No, but I would probably love it. Okay. Well, here's why you're going to love it. So it basically documents when Raph Simmons went to Dior and it documents his first couture collection for them. And that specific season, the walls of an entire mansion were nothing but florals. And it screams your name. So when we get off of this uh, podcast a little later, I'm going to send you the link. And I, I just think you'll appreciate it. It just made me think of that for some reason. Oh, my gosh. Yes, please. That if Dior and I, I'm, I'm totally going to find it. You'll be obsessed. Um, was there a moment when you knew that florals were where you wanted to be? Was this something you grew up always knowing that you wanted to have your hands in? I did not know. I always wanted to, I've always been a dreamer. I've always loved beautiful, luxurious, over the top kind of, I just love that vibe. Uh, but I didn't know that is 
that was what I was going to do. In fact, growing up, people don't tell you that you can be a florist. I don't know about as a fashion designer, if that was something that you were told your entire life, but no one even told me that florals were a job. I ended up kind of, I have a long story that we don't have time for the whole story. It's kind of crazy, but I ended up in a kind of traditional working environment where I had a cubicle and, you know, some file cabinets, a gray desk, the whole bit. And I was so bored and I started a wedding planning business on the side, quite frankly, because no one would hire me as a wedding planner or an assistant. So I decided to start my own business. I, I wasn't very good either. So let's skip that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in my wedding planning business, that introduced me to flowers. And as soon as I discovered flowers, I remember the first event I did so clearly. I didn't sleep for 36 hours. I was both the planner and the florist. There was some that someone had quit is the reason I had to do flowers. I just threw myself into it. And I was so invigorated. I was so inspired at the end of this, where I had planned the wedding. I had designed the flowers that I'd never done before. Everything turned out okay. The client miraculously was happy. And I wasn't exhausted because I loved what I was doing. And I knew that moment, this is what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't supposed to be a wedding planner. I was supposed to be a florist. Isn't that wonderful when you, that moment happens where you're so in it and you're so hyper-focused, there's like this adrenaline that's rushing and, and you're just so enveloped by this that afterwards you're like, whoa, this is right. This is it. Oh, it feels so good. It's a really magical moment. And it's not a moment that happens all the time. I'm going to reference a TED talk that I listened to with the woman that wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And she talks about having like the moment of God with Eat, Pray, Love is what she refers to it as in quotes. She says, everyone's like, how are you going to top that? How are you going to get past this? And she was like, not every moment is like this. It's like watching a dancer on stage. You know, they love what they're doing the whole time. But then every once in a while, they have that moment that's just so incredible. And they're so a part of it. They just have that moment where they are one with their art. And I, I think that that to me sounds like you've had that moment. And that, yes, exactly. That's that. <laughs> life changer for sure. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Oh gosh. All right. Had you asked me that in, I, I don't know about March 1st, I would have had a different answer <laughs> than I'm going to have right now. Um, so this year has turned my whole life, my business kind of topsy-turvy as I'm sure it has for yours as well. Yes. Uh, my world is event-based. Like what I do is I do weddings, large scale weddings, right? And then yeah. I teach workshops with lots of groups of people. <laughs> so this year has been completely different than I could have expected. And I feel like I'm still getting to know like what my new future is going to be. Uh, I know that flowers will be in my future. I have some dreams and some plans and some irons in the fire that are going to be big changes in my life, but I don't know where they're going to lead exactly. Sorry Mm -hmm. if that was evasive. No, not at all. Not at all. We're in unprecedented times and I'm with you. My world is very different than it was (laughs) March 1st. You know, and when you you have to just find a way to keep inventing yourself. And I find that when you have a moment where you're forced to kind of rethink everything, that's when the genius comes out. Oh, good. (laughs) It doesn't always feel like it in the process, but don't you feel like sometimes when you're forced, I mean, we've just talked about it. You were forced to make that call with your wedding planning and sitting in a cubicle, you were faced with this feat and It was the struggle until it wasn't, and it was amazing. And I like to think that that's maybe where we're all heading right now. 
a genius. And I think that the slowdown this year, so I have been, uh, honestly, I have been running hard in my life and I've been hustling since I was 19 years old. Like I just, I started hustling and I just didn't stop and I didn't slow down until this year when all my weddings were postponed, my big projects, like some of them were just straight up canceled, not even postponed, canceled. So I had all this time on my hands and it allowed me to breathe a little bit and allowed me to realize that I want my life, this is going to sound crazy, but I kind of want my life to feel like 2020 because I didn't do as much. I didn't work as hard. I didn't hustle as hard, but I was really comfortable and I was happy. Even with all the chaos that was happening, I just felt this joy this year and I definitely am going to see more of that in my life in the future. I'm not going to hustle as hard and work quite as hard as I had been. I don't think anyone needs to work that hard. It's an addiction at a certain point because once you you start the avalanche, you kind of have to keep feeding it. We were in the same boat. We were working. I was doing two to three, maybe four, sometimes music videos back to back with the company I was working with. And as much fun as it was, a 22-hour day every day for six days a week is oh my exhausting. Gosh. Yeah. That's 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 a lot. It's overwhelming. I mean, you know, some of those days were in the office working, but and, and it's the same way for you. You're planning and you're meeting with clients and juggling a thousand things and team members. And thanks for reminding it, me that I actually do work 22 hours. And it's really not yeah. that unheard of. <laughs> yeah, no, like are you the thing you know you do. <laughs> That's one thing so that people don't understand is just because you're not on a clock doesn't mean you're not working and thinking and obsessing over your art. You are right. So yeah, in a lot of ways, I do love the slowdown of the pandemic because it's allowed me to do things like this podcast that I would have never had time to do before and I've always wanted right? to do. And I am now sewing again after two years of taking a break. So it has really, it's been the year of giveth and taketh away, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> No, it definitely has. You know, I think I for me things started really changing in like May, May through July. It was like every time I looked up, someone's like, "Oh, you were excited about that? Sorry, no more, no more." <laughs> was there and, a moment in all of that where it just started to get disheartening because all these plans you had made, you were kind of having to come to terms with them not happening? Ah, uh, you know, I'm just eternally like this happy, joyful human. So um, I don't think I actually ever did get disheartened. I think I get a little frustrated. Like, okay, if this isn't happening, that's happening. What am I supposed to do? Like, that was what I was going to do with my year. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. So I think it got less disheartening and more confusion. Like, I, if you take my, my path away, I get lost. So I needed some direction again, but I found my direction. Time gives all. So I like to end my interviews with a series of little rapid fire questions, if that's okay with you. Ooh, okay, rapid fire. Oh, I'm so bad at these. These are, I've kind You'll of, see. okay, we'll see. They don't have to be super rapid. I, I do have the gift of editing. <laughs> You'll give me a rapid fire question and I give the longest answers. <laughs> I, I want that. I'm here. So okay. in Alice in Wonderland, the Queen of Hearts painted her roses red. If you were the queen of Wonderland, what color would you paint your roses? Psychedelic. Oh, yes. That was good. That was a rapid answer. Guess look at you go. If you were an ice cream flavor, what would you be? Mm, chocolate marshmallow from Turkey Hill. Very specific. <laughs> 
What's a movie recently that captivated you? Oh my gosh, a movie. I cannot remember the last movie I have watched. All right, can I talk about Netflix? Yes, yes, Um, please. Okay, so I actually, I used to be, I used to like movies, but this year has given me time to watch more Netflix than I, I had no idea there were this many great shows on Netflix. I have binged everything this year. And I just binged with my husband, The Queen's Gambit, and I am obsessed with it. It's not normally what I would gravitate towards, but like the costumes are just so perfect. And the expression on these, these, the actors' faces, the environment, the filming, the, I like, I really love, I just, I just love it. <laughs> it was so thoughtful. It's, I, I'm uh, personally drawn to it because I, it's kind of based near my hometown. I'm from Louisville and it's set in Lexington. It's like a 30 minute drive, 45 minute drive away. Ah. But watching it, the color palette for that film or for that entire series is so on point. Just and it, beautiful. It changes with the time. Like it changes, the color palettes change from when she's younger to older. And it, yeah. It's it's like looking at fine art, but it's a show. <laughs> That's a really beautiful way to put it. Uh, what is your guilty pleasure? Oh, my guilty pleasure. I can't even think of anything. Oh, okay. TikTok. Yep. My guilty pleasure is definitely <laughs> TikTok. I How many hours have... do you log on there? <laughs> I stay on until that little person comes in and be like, hey, you've been swiping for a while. You know, you can stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they have the little the little checkpoints because it is easy to get sucked into that vortex. Well, if my listeners would like to find you on social media, where would they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at intrigue underscore designs. Um, the same thing on TikTok, intrigue underscore designs. And really those are the only great places because I don't tweet. I'm not a Twitter. Uh, and Facebook is a little slow. So Instagram and TikTok are the best places. Or, of course, you can go to my website if you want to learn design. You can go to intriguedteaches.com, um, and that's where we have all of our tutorials and classes. And if you want to attend an in-person workshop, those are listed there as well. I adore that. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on with me today. It means the world. I am so excited to follow your journey. Oh, I'm excited to be here. I can't believe I was just on a podcast with Gunnar. I'm just, so I didn't tell you this, but, like, I have followed you since like since the first you were on twice weren't you uh-huh, I was yeah yeah I've kind of been following you forever so to be here right now is totally a fangirl moment oh my god you're so sweet I'm blushing you're so sweet <laughs> um, the the feeling is mutual I love I love working and talking with other artists because I think it's so refreshing to just hear another point of view and to envelop yourself in somebody else's work oh well thank you for having me Wonderful. Well, I can't wait to see what the rest of 2020 brings with you and what blossoms beyond that. Thank you so much for joining this week's podcast. It's produced by me in my studio apartment in the middle of the Hollywood Hills in Los Angeles, California. If there's an artist that you would like for me to interview or you would like to get to know more about, please send their info over to me at whatsyourmedium at gmail.com. I will also have it in the podcast info. Until next week, I hope you guys are taking care of yourselves. Please drink your water, take deep breaths, set your daily affirmations, and spread some positivity. I can't wait to have you back here next week.